I will speak to you in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Good morning. And to all you mothers, grandmothers, and motherly types and figures, happy Mother's Day. You're welcome. Ultimately, there's probably some poor preacher, priest, or minister out there in the world somewhere right now declaring that Mother's Day is simply an invention of the Hallmark greeting card company and therefore has no place in the church on a Sunday morning. All I can say for that poor guy is... God help him. (laughs) Whether Mother's Day was invented or whether God declared it God's self, who could ever have a problem with dedicating a day, Sunday or any other day, to our beloved mothers? So I will say it again. Happy Mother's Day. For me, the lead up to Mother's Day has been particularly busy. Audrey and I had a wonderful trip up to Kentucky last weekend to celebrate my oldest daughter Abby's graduation from Eastern Kentucky University, and I was incredibly thankful for the wonderful Father George Hinchliffe stepping in and leading our Sunday service while I was away. But it never fails that when you are away from your job for any moment of time, you have to put some extra hours in when you make it, to make it up when you get back, and that's certainly how it was for me when I got back into town last Tuesday. And that week only led into an extremely busy weekend, which I knew was coming, with a wedding as well as a funeral, believe it or not, on the same day, yesterday. We began yesterday morning, as I know many of you were present for, with a very beautiful, meaningful funeral service for Bill Colson, complete with powerful music and heartfelt eulogies from his family, a procession to the columbarium led by the great Highland bagpipes, and full military honors given by the United States Air Force Honor Guard. I know our dear friend and beloved brother Bill was smiling down upon us from heaven as his life was celebrated, Holy Communion was given out to his friends and family and his earthly remains were laid in their final resting place here in his most beloved church. And none of it could have happened if it had not been for so many loving, supporting hands of this All Saints Church family. From the verger, Crucifer, and our first-class deacon assisting at the altar, to our ushers and sacristy guild members who took care of all the bulletins and set up for the service, to Michael and the members of our choir who made sure every hymn was sung beautifully, to members of our Daughters of the King who welcomed a tremendous number of guests and visitors yesterday, pointing them to the bathrooms and making sure they knew how to get into the church after they'd parked. And it all ended with our ever-dedicated, non-paid volunteer sexton, who took time to open up Bill's niche in the columbarium before the service and made sure it was closed back and secured after we were finished. So many loving hands working to honor a brother and his beloved family here on the day of his burial. And when that was finished after the reception, 
I was back in my clerical uniform, driving across Jacksonville's Fuller Warren Bridge to my old stomping grounds in Ortega for a beautiful wedding right next to the St. John's River at the Timaquana Country Club. The young couple getting married weren't members here at All Saints, but they were dedicated Christians. And that certainly had a whole lot to do with why I happened to be the priest about to perform their marriage ceremony. Both, of, both the young woman and the young man were raised their entire life in the Roman Catholic Church. And they had gone through the entire premarital program the Catholic Church requires for every couple preparing for marriage within that Christian church tradition. They had begun everything here in Jacksonville, and then they'd finished it in New York City, where they both live and work today. They had all their paperwork completed and sent down to the Archdiocese of St. Augustine and were approved for the marriage to take place at the bride's home parish here in Jacksonville. They had originally set their first wedding date way back in the year of our Lord 2019, only to decide at the last minute to put it on hold until that next year, 2020, to allow for more family and more friends to be able to be there for the wedding. Well, I don't have to tell you that that second wedding date in 2020 was quickly canceled because of the coronavirus, forcing them to find yet again a third wedding date, which landed on May the 8th this year. But even as the COVID numbers had begun to decline back in March and April, this couple, who'd been living the past year in one of our hardest hit cities in the country, still found themselves, I think, rightfully concerned about the safety of their wedding guests. With less than two week, two months, sorry, with less than two months before the wedding, they called the Catholic Church here in Jacksonville, where their parents attend regularly, and they asked the priest who was to preside over their wedding if, due to the pandemic, he might be willing under these unique circumstances to allow the wedding to be moved outdoors for no other reason than to let the people attending feel more safe. And this request had been made back in March when the vaccines were just beginning to open up to more people around the country. Considering we here at All Saints around that same time had offered an outdoor live stream service for two of our Easter services, it made perfect sense to me as to why a couple might make this special request. But unfortunately, the priest did not see it that way and he told them no. So, I got a call not long after that from a wedding planner who I'd known at St. Mark's in Ortega and who I'd once worked with during a wedding I'd done over there while I was the priest. She told me the story and she assured me that this couple wasn't just wanting to have a nice service by the river. She even told me that they had told her they'd be willing to meet with me and go through a whole new barrage of premarital counseling if that's what it would take to prove that all they wanted was a Christian wedding with the same readings of Scripture, the same prayers, the same vows, and most importantly, that same blessing that would be given from God for their new marriage. So I agreed to meet with them. And the more we talked about what Christian marriage meant to them 
and why it was still the sacrament that they desperately wanted for their wedding day, the more I thought to myself, wow, what a mistake that Catholic priest had made. So yesterday I was completely honored, even after what had already been a very long emotional day, to stand down by our sacred river here in our city and be the priest to join this beautiful couple in holy matrimony. And there's no question whatsoever in my mind and heart that God was right there with them. And after I got home from a funeral and a wedding and was sitting down last night for what was to be sermon number three, as I went back over in my mind and heard again all the scripture passages that had been read throughout that day and all the unconditional love that I'd experienced surrounding so many children of God. When I finally got to the gospel, we just heard for this sixth Sunday of Easter, it all came together and made perfect sense to me. Love. It was everywhere God sent me yesterday. And I'm not talking just about that kind of love a young couple have on their wedding day. I'm talking about that much deeper kind of love Jesus is speaking about this morning in the gospel. And the kind of love St. John has been writing about in his first epistle that we've been reading over these last few Sundays in the Easter season. And the kind of love that was absolutely in action all over this church yesterday when we gathered to commend our brother Bill to Almighty God. That love is what the New Testament calls from the Greek agape. And again, it isn't just that kind of love we all remember from when we first laid eyes on someone and felt our whole bodies drawn to them. That's some pretty good love too, for sure. But agape love is so much more deeper than that. Agape love really has nothing at all to do with what we want ourselves. Agape love flows out of a selflessness, pulling us to give our love away freely to someone else who's in need. Not because we're going to get some kind of return offering or gift for that love we give away, but because we just know and feel and understand that we're supposed to show our love as Christians this way. We're supposed to love the other, whether we know that other or not, because the other is always our brother and our sister. This is the kind of love Jesus is describing so well this morning in the portion we just heard from his incredible farewell discourse found in John's gospel. Listen again to what Jesus is saying in John chapter 15, beginning at the 12th verse. Jesus proclaims, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And I am giving you these commandments so that you may love one another. Brothers and sisters, it's that very kind of love that I witnessed and was a part of yesterday. And it inspired me and reminded me again that this is the very foundation of our Christian faith and our call to spiritual discipleship, to love like Jesus loved us and to be ready at all times to lay down our life for someone else. And when we read the gospel this morning, 
It tells us in pretty clear and concise language that this is not just what God hopes we might do when we feel good. Jesus says this is his commandment. That means if we want to follow Jesus, we must abide and live into this kind of incredible, selfless, sacrificial love. Not just for friends and family, but for everyone we come in contact with because all of us have been made in that same image of God. Now, I know it sounds challenging, but I'd like to say that if you consider the agape love Jesus Christ offered for each and every one of us when he was on that cross, and when you think about and remember how often you yourself have fallen, and when you felt like no one could forgive you, you felt the arms of Jesus wrapping around you and beginning to pull you back up. And when you consider that we as human beings really have nothing whatsoever to give back to God because God is everything and yet God still loves us unconditionally. When you consider all of that, then you might just find it isn't so much a challenge as it becomes a need and a demand. You might just find yourself suddenly driven to give that love away, to reach out your hands and help another person up as you've been helped up and to be the Jesus you are commanded to love and follow to everyone that you come in contact with. That kind of love, brothers and sisters, transforms everything. Once you start doing it and living it and following it, you won't be able to stop. And that is good news. Not just for you, not just for me, not just for our community, but for this whole desperate world. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be complete. And I have to tell you that I was tired yesterday and I'm pretty darn tired right now. But yesterday was such a day that when I finished it and went to bed, I still felt this incredible joy. I've come to believe absolutely that joy is just one of those many, many things that the love Jesus calls us to live into can do for all of us. And don't you want a little more joy? Then let's keep on following Jesus. Let's keep on sharing that love with everyone we meet. Let's love one another as Christ loved us. Amen.